Hello and welcome everyone. Today I'm in conversation with Sunanda Mehta, a journalist for over 30 years and an author. Sunanda authored a controversial book, The Extraordinary Life and Death of Sunanda Pushkar. Hi Sunanda, how are you? I'm okay. I'm coping with the lockdown like everyone else. How are you? W- wonderful. So thank you so much for joining us Sunanda. Uh so you have been a journalist for many years yeah about 30 so years you, for 30 years now so i'm sure you must have seen a lot and gone through a lot and shared a lot of stories so would you like to share with us few of your stories and maybe some interesting facts something uh, you know which was like a breaking story of of that time and you know what is the difference that you see in journalism today from when you started Uh, well, uh, at long time back, I go back to thirty years, which was you know journalism was nothing like uh, that time, like what it is now. I mean, I'm one of the few journalists who probably worked on the typewriter uh, during during my first articles, and I think it was my first job that really computers came, and uh, you know, and there was nothing like Google, which is there now. I still remember those days. We would be there coming to our work table, and uh, the editor would scribble a name, you know, like uh, say Mr. Subramaniam, and finished. and then it is up to you to find out who is he mm. is he someone who's uh, so coming to your city is he someone who's won the nobel prize is he someone who's in the midst of a scandal and he went on researching so it was there were tough times yes but uh, it is also kind of classic journalism that we did and uh, i started it i started as a stringer actually uh, when i was in delhi for femina i remember vimla patel interviewing me and i was still studying that time and then after that i uh, i i did my journalism and this when i came to pune and i was also doing a column at the same time with the indian express uh, it was uh, uh, called women's voice i would write about all the issues concerning women uh, then i joined magna publications um, mr nari hira uh, uh, he uh, took me on uh, and i was at the pune bureau for savvy society starters health nutrition all the magna magazines and then i started the pune city magazine i was the founder editor okay. after about a year with the company i started the magazine and i was there for a couple of years and then i moved to indian express and then my about 20 23 years of my life i spent with the indian express my last i was the resident editor of the pune edition so yeah it was it's been wonderful i think as long as i can remember that's all i wanted to do i wanted to become a journalist so i can really safely say it never felt like a single day's work and uh, as for stories well yes if you've been in journalism for so many years you do have stories you know uh, would be breaking uh, i had done some interesting stories about uh, david headley when he came to pune and you know he had planted those uh, he was involved in those bombs uh, and there was also a very interesting story recently about 5 years ago about the maligaon blast uh, how the public prosecutor rohini salyan had revealed that there was pressure on her to go easy on the accused uh but uh, you know anurag i think the uh, the biggest stories any journalist does uh, are the ones that make a difference you know finally is those stories that matter that kind of change anyone's lives so i would say if uh, any those have been my best stories um, uh, i once did about a doctor who was studying in fmc and uh, uh, in his last year he had an accident he had gone to see his father who was also in the army and he was paralyzed waist downwards and when he came back after 6 months he completed his uh, medicine uh, it so happened that uh, the fmc has a rule that if you're not joining the army after medicine you have to pay back all this spent on your education 
and that's what they asked him to do. But it was not his fault, obviously, because he couldn't join since he was incapacitated at that time. So it was he was you know grappling with a lot, also his handicap and with this kind of uh, uh, bureaucratic. Um, uh, a decision that was made that you know he wouldn't be uh, allowed to he was not being given his doctor's certificate to practice and he had to pay a huge sum so when we got to know about it i did the story and it was very gratifying that in 3 days uh, you know the it was waived off the entire fee uh, demand that was there he also got his doctor's doctor's certificate over the years he went to the us he's practicing there now so there've been stories like these which i think as a journalist any journalist would really be proud of and uh, so yeah there have been many like this i don't think we have the time to go into so many so that's wonderful and congratulations for all your work sunanda but you know now you you you're also an author you wrote a book about sunanda pushkar who was your yeah. friend would you please tell us a little bit more about it why did you want to write a book on sunanda and and what is that drew you towards her because when you wrote this book it was i mean she was already dead and it was it was long time ago that the accident happened and you know we still do not know what it was and why it was would you please enlighten us about the same uh, yeah that's right anurag it's been over 6 years now since she's dead and still no one knows what really happened and this was one of the reasons Uh, why i took up this uh, you know this uh, book uh, because it's uh, it's very sad that uh, in all these you know it was the sudden death it was an untimely death and the fact that uh, it went on from becoming uh, a case of drug overdose to one of murder and now currently they are investigating suicide uh, but in 6 years this high profile case uh, it still hasn't got a closure which is very sad for the family the son you know her brothers so as a journalist this was uh, it was intriguing for me to uh, do this because it was like an extension of the kind of work i'd been doing anyways so this uh, posed also a bit of challenge to find out what was happening in the investigations uh, for me uh, you know the kind of sunanda i knew was very different from the kind of sunanda who exploded uh, into the national scene as uh, shashitharur's wife it was uh, the sunanda i knew was a a very quiet very shy very reserved studious kind of a girl and also a a, a fairly plain jane you know she was very uh, she was not the kind who would make heads turn like how she did later on uh, when we all knew her as the glamorous uh, sunanda pushkar so i really wanted to trace the journey uh, what was it that you know changed so much uh, in her life that made her you know take this whole leap uh, that she did uh and also of course as a friend i wanted to uh, get to know the real sunanda who was she was she the one i knew what about was she the one who became also there were a lot of stories a lot of controversies about her i would say she was one of the most judged and misjudged person uh of our times uh, you know how delhi is they love to judge people so there were so many stories mm-hmm. abounding about her uh, they talked about her dubai background you know her coming from an army background and Uh, and really how she was probably more of a social climber which is why she married karur and how how she had the 100 crore which she did have with her at that time and a lot of it was uh, was not true uh, no one really knew that uh, the other sunanda the sunanda as a single mother who had so many challenges when she brought up her son uh, you know the sunanda as a very uh, conscientious daughter and sister how she looked after her family uh, so there was this one lot of people who said she was you know one of the warmest and the most friendliest most generous person and there was another said you know said oh, she was very ambitious she was a social climber 
and she had this bad temper. Uh, so, well, uh, the fact is, you can be all of that. So, it was really I tried to unravel what kind of uh, person was Nanda to, you know, I have not whitewashed her in the book, I have not put her on a pedestal. I have brought out her good qualities, I have also brought out all her, her darker side. And I really left it to the readers to decide one, about what kind of person was Nanda, and two, what could have happened? Uh, could it uh, could it have been uh, a case of accidental drug overdose? Could it be have been a murder that someone actually wanted to do with her, or was it suicide that in one vulnerable moment she decided to take her life because she was going through a lot of pain and uh, problems at that particular point of her life? I mean, we all know it was all in public domain the Twitter war she was having. So there right. was so many twists and turns to the story. I just thought I I just put the record straight, and it was more like a journalistic. A piece of work that it is. Right. So, Nanda, did you also face problems while while writing this book? Because uh, this was not just a book, uh, you know, about someone. This was a book about a person who's no more, and this was a hot case. It's, it was a it was a burning issue, and you know, it was in the national media. People were still talking about it, and this was a politician's wife. So, did you face problems while collecting the data or information about the for the book? Oh, huge amount of problems. I mean, I had frankly not anticipated I will come across uh, uh, so many blocks. Uh, to start with, I had you know there was a lot of research involved because there were a very uh, you know a, pub, a couple which was out there on the in the public domain. So there was already so much written about them. So first, just collecting all the information. I had these four, five you know huge files I would collect. And take with me everywhere, which I would read and mark, and uh, you know, um, I would segregate all the information into different uh, sections, whether it's uh, political or social or uh, legal. Uh, and then I had a list of number of people I had to talk to, which was over 150. But the biggest problem was this wall of silence. I mean, half the people I called up to speak just would not speak. That uh, there right. was this kind of a fear uh, that maybe they didn't want to get dragged into a uh, into something which was controversial, and you know. Uh, which uh, so uh, a lot of people would take my uh, call very happily the first time, and after that, I would make ten calls, and they would not pick up after I told them what it was for. So mm. that was uh, the biggest challenge. Uh, another challenge was also uh, to get, like I said, get you know separate the fact from the fiction to get mm. to know what was the uh, the the right uh, uh, the right get the right tone for the book also because you know this was a book. Which could have very easily become an extension of the pastry culture, uh, but yes. I didn't want uh, that uh, we should use anything which you know sounds like seditious gossip. So everything was checked, rechecked, even things which had come out in print in the public domain. I had to check it again and again because we know there are times when things may not be right. Uh, so that was uh, that was a big challenge. Everything you know, checking everything, making sure I'm not doing wrong. And every time there was a doubt, that, you know, in journalism we are ta taught when in doubt, leave it out. So that's what we did. And uh, were you... the legal part of it. Hmm. Uh, they, this book went through three legal readings because uh, when it was a contentious issue, we had to make sure uh, we wouldn't be hauled uh, to the court. So, yeah, these were the. And one also, I must tell you, I was writing about someone who was dead, who was not alive. She was yeah. not there to defend everything that, you know, was going to be put out to the public. So uh, that uh, was uh, that was, I think, a predominant feeling with me and the publishers. We were very careful of what we put out. It uh, that it should not damage either her or anyone's uh, image unfairly. Right. Yeah. So these were some of them. 
So were you were you also able to talk to Mr. Shashi Tharoor uh, while while the investigation or while you were uh, collecting facts? Were you able to speak with him? I did mail him at the beginning itself and said that I want to do this book and you know so of course I like to interview for this book. Uh, so he wrote back saying that he has been advised by his lawyers that till the case is there in the court, uh, he should not be speaking. So while he said I have no objection to your doing the book if you are going to do a uh, a fair uh, a piece of writing on her, but I will not be able to talk to you on that. So I was in touch with him off and on, even for the book cover, you know, which was there. Uh, we, it was a beautiful picture which her son had sent to me when we were going through a lot of photographs. There were all those very glamorous pictures of hers, which weren't going, you know, rarely, we didn't want that kind. And when I was talking to her son once, I told him, you know, these are the few options we have. So he said, um, uh, no, no, I have the perfect picture. So he sent me okay. this from Dubai. It was a huge uh, two by three feet uh, photograph. Uh, but we didn't know who had clicked it. And we still don't know, even after all this time. I used all the contacts. Then I called up, uh, I mean, I wrote to Dr. Tharoor and I said, this is the picture. And I believe you have a similar picture in your house. So do you know who's taken it? So he said, no, I have no idea. I have exactly the same picture in my house, uh, but I have no idea and uh, who took it, but you can use it. So yeah, so that part uh, he did, uh, uh, Corporal there, but uh, you know he did not talk about it. Even that time, or even later, he has uh, commented on the book. Now, uh, Sunanda, this was this was a story of a woman who was not just a public figure; she was also your friend. She was your college friend, if I'm not wrong. And she was and a school how friend. she was a school friend. So, how was it like when she was, you know, when you were in school, and and were you in touch with her throughout, or you know? All of a sudden, after her death, did you realize that okay, she's the same friend that I had, or did you always uh, know that she's the same friend from school, and were you always in touch with her? Uh, no, unfortunately, I wasn't. You know, uh, uh, I knew her in two areas. We were both from the same army background, uh, mm -hmm. her father and my father. So they were both posted together in Ambala, where we were in the same school, and we were there. And then later in Chhasi, again, our fathers were together in the same uh, station. And uh, that's the time I got to know her even more. So that time, by that time she'd gone to Srinagar, she was studying there, she would come home for holidays. So that is when we became quite close. I went to Srinagar for a holiday and we spent a lot of time together. But unfortunately, we kind of lost touch around uh, 86, 87. And then I bumped into her again once in Pune. Uh, I was uh, standing near the left in my office and you know, uh, I saw her there. And, uh, but before that, sorry, I met her again in Bombay. She had just gone through her first divorce. And it was a very subdued kind of a Sananda. But when I met her again in Pune a year later, she was again that bubbly kind, you know. And I, went, I was going to office and she was pulling me and she said, uh, come, come, let's go and have some coffee and catch up. And I said, no, no, I have a deadline, you know, I have to find my story. And she looked at me, she said, you know, you will always remain a boring person. <laughs> uh, and um, I think the, uh, the name is the only thing we have in common. Otherwise, we are poles apart. And then right. she just she switched her head like she used to, and she walked off uh, laughing at me. And that's the last memory I really have of her. I've got a question. Uh, someone asking uh, if this this book will be turned into a film. Uh, well, there have been interests, and uh, there have been people who have contacted, and uh, we are uh, looking at that. Uh, there, uh, you know, we've uh, gone ahead uh, in talks with. Uh, a couple of people, so uh, I think maybe soon uh, this uh, with this lockdown, of course, now everything has uh, kind of been delayed. 
But yes, right. they've been pressed for a film as well as for a web series. So the publishers and I, you know, we are just taking stock of uh, what kind of uh, uh, production would come out of it. We are just very keen that, uh, you know, the way the book has maintained it, there is a lot of integrity and honesty in this book. And we just want to give it to someone who will maintain that uh, for the for the film. So it will be uh, either be a web series or film, I don't really know as yet. Sunanda, what, what do you think has happened um, to a lot of journalists and how has it changed all of a sudden with this pandemic? You know, journalism, jur journalists, what, has, what is different for them now with this pandemic? Well, it's, it's definitely an extremely tough time for the journalists, you know, for the media, both electronic and print. Uh, one, of course, for the fact that journalists are so used to going out in the field, and I, of course, many are still doing that, uh, and the risks they are taking. I mean, you would know by now there are at least 100 journalists who have also tested positive. Uh, there have been two journalists who actually uh, uh, contracted uh, uh, you know, the virus and they passed away. Two journalists have passed away. There are 100 who have tested positive. So they are crippling with a lot of risks, and still everyone is out there doing the job, either it's work from home or on the field. Uh, another um, tough situation is that because of the lockdown and the economic downturn which has happened, uh, the media industry has suffered tremendously. So there have been layoffs, uh, there have been uh, salary cuts, there have been retrenchments, there have been furloughs, uh, so which has you know just made it all extremely difficult for this fraternity. Uh, so I think journalists are one of the, uh, uh, is one prime industry that has been hit the media uh, because you know how it is. Advertising has dried up uh, completely with this. So that has directly affected the, the finances of all the papers and the channels. A lot of channels have closed down, some editions have closed down. So I would really say it's, uh, it's extremely tough time and uh, I don't know when it will really uh, you know, start looking up again. I hope it comes back to normal soon. Now coming to the legal point of view, what is happening to the case? Where is the case gone now? Would, would you know something about that? Yeah, that actually is a little bit of a distressing point that, you know, after six years, the case is not going anywhere. I mean, this case has seen three police commissioners. It has seen four uh, proper medical reports coming out of the all Institute of Medical Sciences. There, has been, uh, for, there have been two or three forensic reports. There has been a forensic report from the, uh, you know, uh, from the FBI. There have been special investigation teams which have been uh, instituted. There have been over a hundred people questioned, and finally there is the three thousand page charge sheet, which is now uh, which was uh, filed in the court. Uh, it, was, it was brought to the court in the trunk, where a hundred people uh, their testimonies have been filed. Uh, but despite all of that, this case is just not going anywhere. There is no progress. I mean, you can even call it that. Uh, there has been no progress, and you know, like I was saying, as a journalist, what really matters when you write is when it benefits someone, when it reaches a logical conclusion. So even as an author for this book, I would say the only thing I'm really looking at now is that the case gets a closure, that whatever happened to her, it's very distressing for the son to live with, you know, not knowing what happened to his mother. Uh, right. A few months ago, he had called me and he had told me that how he had graduated that day. And, you know, Sananda always had this thing that he wanted her... Uh, uh, him to study. They always have this fight about she wanting to do something else, which is more to do with music and uh, you know uh, uh, other arts. And she said, no, no, you must get your degree. 
And then finally, this was a year ago when he got his degree, he called me and said, I've graduated. So I said, you know, that's great, Shiv. And so how are you celebrating? So uh, he said, no, I'm not celebrating. I'm not doing anything at all. So I said, why are you doing that? You know, your mother would have loved that you celebrate this day. So he mm. said, you know, Sunanda, if, uh, the, if the roles had been swapped, if I had been found dead and uh, my mother was there alive, by now she would have moved heaven and earth to find out what happened to me. But even right. after all these years, I'm not able to get a breakthrough. So for the son, who is probably the only person who really misses them every single day, of course, her brothers do, her family do, but does, you know, but for the son, she was, she was just his whole, whole world. So right. it's really sad that the police has not been able to crack the case. It's really sad the way it's, you know, it's been jumped from uh, overdose to murder to suicide, which I must tell you, I mean, currently it, the case has been investigated as a suicide case, which to everyone who knew Sunanda is probably the least possibility. You know, everyone who knows her say that she was just not the kind to commit suicide. Her brothers say this, her son says this, even Dr. Tharoor says this, that she could not have taken her life. She was too much in love with life. She was a very strong woman who had gone through so many challenges in life. And I also think that she was a feisty woman. She wouldn't have gone quietly like that. Plus, she was extremely attached to her son. During her last days, she was consulting a lawyer, wanting to make a will. Uh, you know, she was living in Dubai, so you come under the Sharia law, uh, uh, and if you die without a will, everything uh, goes to uh, your husband or, you know, other members of the family. So uh, she was extremely keen and she had this, you know, little fortune of over a hundred crore. And she would have ensured that the money, you know, a lot of it goes to her son, that he is, he doesn't have to uh, grapple with financial problems, which he is doing now because all her accounts are frozen. A lot of her properties were, you know, it was under mortgage. So they are also, uh, he does not get anything from them. He can't sell them. So he's undergoing a huge amount of uh, financial distress. And I'm sure as the devoted mother that she was, she would have never, ever wanted that. So that's what the case is, which, you know, everyone is hoping they come up with some, they crack it, but no one quite believes the suicide story as of now. So you mean because there was no will, the son has, has nothing uh, coming from, from his mother? No, he cannot access her accounts. Okay. He cannot, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, take over any of the properties. All of the properties were in joint name, and like I said, they are doing the. You know, her. She was not the kind of person who would uh, make sure that her paperwork was in order. It's been, an, it's been quite a bit of mess uh, when she died. So the son has been, you know, he's been spending a lot of his time going. He just, he said, I just went from one of the properties and pay the, the, you know, the loan for the others. She had even borrowed a huge amount of money from Dr. Tharoor, some $2 million, uh, which she had wanted to repay. She had said that, you know, she wants to make a will. She told the lawyer and she wants to take care of two things, pay back the money she owes Dr. Tharoor, and also ensure that her son gets all that uh, she has. And uh, so that's one of the reasons also I feel she could not have gone just to the will like that. We would love to, uh, you know, read more of your writings and, and know your writing style. Uh, so, are you working on any 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 other book, any other project which is coming? Uh, well, yes, I got uh, two, three uh, uh, ideas and topics uh, in mind. Uh, only I'm trying not to do a, a heavy book like that because frankly, it was very draining. You know, two it took two years of a lot of work, and it was uh, emotionally and uh, physically and mentally very draining. So, I'm trying to do a, a book which are not so heavy. I have. Um, 
one interesting um, uh, project I'm, I'm going to do is my great grandfather was a Punjabi poet, and okay. he was a humorous poet, and he used to write uh, these humor, uh, uh, you know, poems in Punjabi, and they were published. He had he written four or five books. He was the first person in Punjab to start a newspaper in Punjabi, and it was also in the syllabus of the university. So I have one of his very rare books uh, called Varshaya. I'm mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, you know, in the process of uh, getting that, uh, of translating those poems. I want to bring out those poems in English. So that is one. Uh, second is a book of fiction, which also I'm toying with, and there's another book on Gandhi. So these are three projects I have right now. I don't know which one will really happen first. Uh, so, but given the lockdown, exactly. I think the the book of poetry is what I'm looking at right now for, uh, uh, for my major pursuit. So that's excellent. This is the right time for you to spend your time uh, finishing your projects, so that once this time is over, we get to uh, read more of your work, and uh, we we really can't wait to read the the book of poetry. So Nanda, since you since you start, you you talked about your grandfather. Would you like to end with a poetry written by him? Would you remember something? Uh, well, uh, that's in Punjabi, really, the poetry. Um, Would you remember? So I don't know. Uh, Maybe few lines. The, uh, a few lines. Uh, well, uh, there were uh, lots of uh, you know, and how the humor was in uh, uh, those days. So there was one uh, very sweet poem about a boy who had a terror for a father. Uh, you know, his father was extremely strict, and he would uh, just wreak terror every time he was home. The mother, the the children, they would be terrified. Especially, I'm talking of you know. How many days back, the father figure was so fearful, and then his mother was long suffering, and she would tell her son that that son had a friend called Lalu, who was an orphan. You know, he didn't have a father, so the mother would always tell the son that you know you should be kind to your friend because you know he doesn't have a, a son; he's yatim. So uh, just make sure you know you are nice to him. So one day the one uh, one day after the son had got a really bad firing from the father, he comes to the mother and says. Uh, uh, and she's mother she said you know, if you're nice to him you'll get punya so she he tells his mother chai ji kyun na pura ek punya kamaiye bapu chup lalu nu deye khud yatim ho jaiye chirka chamela to sadi hove jaan sukhalli lalu di dur hai itni hove mojd bandi which basically means the son said you know let's do the full good turn and give our father to lalu let him also be happy let us just one uh, little few lines from that poem so there are really sweet poems from that era and i'm hoping to translate and keep the humor intact uh, in those that's wonderful we're looking forward to to read uh, the book and thank you so much sunanda for joining us and joining this session